Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Yes, indeed. A uh, we it's another football Friday. We got football Sunday. Only three games left. I'm Scott Prather. What's happening, everybody? This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We got uh, plenty in store for you this morning. Eric Mouton, former Raging Cajun guard, Ascension Episcopal coach, athletic director, TV analyst covering the Cajun basketball team. I spoke with him after last night's disappointing loss that Louisiana had against Georgia State over at the Cajun Home, 68-64, the final. We're going to play that combo for you here in just a moment. In the segment after that, we are digging in to Sean Payton and the Saints and the future with our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengale. The discussion, is Sean Payton a quitter? I say no. I gave all my reasons yesterday. But, you know, we did put up a Twitter poll yesterday morning at the request of uh, Norman Locke, who never follows through on a bet, by the way. And, uh, you know, the the votes came in. 73% of you said no. He's not. 27% of you said yes, he is. As far as the poll is uh, uh, whether or not Norman Locke is trustworthy, um, 20% of you said no, 80% of you said hell no. So we know how that went down in the meantime. Um, like I said, we're going to talk to Gus Cattengale, uh, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, about Sean Payton's exit, what comes next for the Saints, who they're going to hire, who they will likely hire, who they should hire, and we will make our picks for the uh, NFC and AFC championship game. Speaking of picks, make your picks. DraftKings, go get it done Sports betting is live right here in Louisiana. Online sportsbook. It's now official. It's legal. It's there. Make it happen. When you download that DraftKings app, uh, sportsbook app, make sure you use the promo code 1420 for a variety of reasons, which you'll hear about throughout the morning here today. So, Gus Cattengill coming up. But what about in the 8 o'clock hour, guys? Trey Wingo. Yes, Trey Wingo. You know him from his time on ESPN, host of NFL Live, NFL Primetime for many years, the uh, former Sports Center anchor. What's he up to now? What's he doing these days? Former radio host in the morning right here. Uh, he and Golik and Wingo aired for years. We're going to talk to Trey about championship weekend, his time at ESPN, sports books, betting, Saints current, Saints future. We're digging in with Trey Wingo in the 8 o'clock. Or you do not want to miss it. Top-tier interview guest. Looking forward to chatting with him. So, the good news is you got a lot of good stuff on the show this morning, so you don't want to leave. Keep it locked in right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Bad news is, from a Cajun standpoint, the loss last night to Georgia State, 68-64. It was... It was rough in the, in the sense that it's a game they, a game they should have won, quite frankly. 20 turnovers, 6 of 13 at the free throw line. They went the final 6 minutes and 23 seconds without a made field goal. They only got five shots off in the last, what, five or so minutes of the game. They turned it over too much, and then when they got to the line, they did not make Georgia State pay. 
Panthers get their first win in conference play this year. Panthers get a win over the Cajuns. Cajuns are now 9-9 nine and nine on the season, 4-4 four and four in conference play. And the inconsistencies of this team right now is the most frustrating part. Because the Sun Belt's wide open. It's wide open this season. It really is. Wide open. You, you follow it on a night-to-night basis in terms of, like, sports betting. I mean, I like the Chiefs minus seven this week, and I do. But in terms of, like, betting on Sun Belt basketball games this year, no way I would stay away from that. I personally, I'm, no. It's just wild. Eric Mouton, former Raging Cajun guard, was on some great teams back in the day. Great teams. Played in an NCAA tournament with the Cajuns. The head basketball coach at Ascension Episcopal, the athletic director over there of the Blue Gators, and a friend of the program and the TV analyst for the games on ESPN3, the Rage Occasion games, or ESPN Plus, rather. I uh, joined him last night shortly after the game ended and went final. We sat courtside and had a discussion about last night's game. And here it is for you right here on ESPN Lafayette. This is the Great Scott Show. All right, ESPN Lafayette, um, the morning after it airs, but sitting courtside, just finished watching Louisiana fall to Georgia State 68-64. Eric Mouton, Dr. Fundamental, Coach Eric Mouton, chatting with us about tonight's game. He called it on the TV side of things, and, uh, you know, we, we chat Cajun hoops often. This one tonight, obviously disappointing, um, I guess is a mild way of putting it, Eric, but was there was there a key turning point in your mind tonight, or was it all just kind of – up and down, up and down, and then to the end, it just caught up with him. Yeah, I think we, in the second half, came out with Kobe Julian. We needed to get him more involved. I think Coach Marlin did. They played through him a little bit, but he only finished with six points. Uh, Kentro Garnett was really the story, man. Came out firing, making some threes, carrying this team offensively. Jordan Brown put in 12. Uh, but I think it was back and forth in that second half and then a couple of stops late. Louisiana with 20 turnovers, that'll kill you, especially at home. And then you don't make your free throws. If you don't get to the line and convert on those free throws, it'll come back to bite you, and it did tonight. Yeah, Brown missed a number of key ones down there. And only getting to the line twice in the first half, was that an aggressive thing? Was it just the way the refs were calling it? Like, what, what is the lack thereof? I think a little bit of both. I think we kind of settled for some for some shots. Obviously, Kentrell Garnett was was hot. We put it on the block a few times, a lot of contact. We played through it, no calls. But I, I did point that out at halftime that we only got there uh, got there twice. And when they got there, they converted. They were 80% from the line. They were 12 for 15. That's a big disparity right there. We made six. They make 12. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of stories in the game, but two of the big ones, you pointed it out, right? Free throws and turnovers. And for the first time this season, this team has now won a game, then lost the game. All season, it had been kind of streaks, right? Three wins, three losses. And you looked at the schedule, you were saying, man, a couple teams, kind of bottom of the sun belt, here you go. And you know, Georgia State's got some players, there's no question, but their first conference win, um, where does the team go now? I mean, you got you got another game on Saturday, Red Panda, by the way. You got a women's men's doubleheader. Just let everyone know: two o'clock women's, seven o'clock men against Georgia Southern Saturday night. But um, where, where does this team go from here, Eric? Is it? Do you see any? I know that, that they change the lineups a lot, game to game, depending on the matchup. Um, is that a, a good thing? Is that do you would would you prefer to maybe have kind of a settled lineup, or is it just 
vary kind of game to game in your mind? I think you would. And Georgia State came in 0-4, but that's not an 0-4 team. They've, they've battled some injuries and some COVID stuff. They had A lot of COVID everybody. stuff, to your point. Yeah, For sure. And and I think on, on, the, on the flip side, Coach Marlin needs to find that rotation. I think he's getting close to doing that. But, uh, again, when, when you have guys that are unavailable, it does disrupt everything you're trying to do. Normally, you'd like to have a starting five, and then you're deep. And I think right now you got a couple guys off the bench playing well. Um, trying to get them some minutes. You know, Michael Thomas tonight handled the ball, did some good things, made some shots. So you want to try to find some of those guys uh, minutes when you can. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to play through your big two inside, and those guys are going to try to carry the load, scoring and rebounding. But you got to find them a little help. The Sun Belt this year, it's it's any given night. You know, I mean, you, if you... <laughs> I know uh, Friday morning, um, we're not talking betting, but I know sports betting online went live. Uh, Scott, would you bet on the, uh, the Sun Belt? I would say no, not in basketball, not me personally, because any night it just seems like anybody can beat anybody. We've seen it all season. Certainly not an excuse. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go in that direction. It was, it's a disappointing loss for Louisiana, but you can get hot at the right time come tournament time. I think it's wide open, probably as open as we've maybe ever seen it. I think going into the season, you thought there'd be maybe three or four teams, and it looks like there's a lot more than that in terms of possibility who could run away with this thing. And, I, you know, in a season where you're at 500 overall, you're at 500 in conference play, I guess that's something to point to. Obviously, you want to get better, but thinking about Pensacola, Eric, it just seems like the Sun Belt this year, it's still up for grabs. It definitely is. And, you know, you got to defend your home court. You know, that's why I know – Coach Marlin and his staff will be disappointed after this loss. Turnovers, missed free throws, things you can you can control and you can handle, and you got to cut those uh, if you're going to win games at home. So a big one coming back on Saturday. Uh, they've got to clean up those turnovers. They're going to continue to do what they do. They're going to rebound the ball. They're going to put it down on the block. Got to find a little help. Even though we did shoot the ball well tonight from behind the arc, we got to finish around the rim, and you got to make free throws. Former education guard Eric Mutaw, Coach Eric Mutaw, Ascension Episcopal Blue Gators, and uh, athletic directors. Well, y'all got a uh, a camp coming up around Mardi Gras. Am I, am I off on that? Is that true? That is true. I'm going to put a little camp on. If the kids aren't in school, I'd love to have them in the gym. We're going to do that uh, the day after Mardi Gras. We're going to go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, I know there was some great stuff and a good turnout at Christmas for your camp. There's a lot of positive feedback. I know. Uh, somebody who, um, you know, somebody, a relative of Ken Myers and his boys there. I talked to them. They live in the neighborhood. They said they had a blast. So uh, shout out to that. And anybody that's interested, how can they uh, get info? Just head to uh, drfundamentals.com. That's drfundamentals.com. Got some information there. Or you can always go to ascensionbluegators.org. All information and registrations at that site. That is Eric Muto. I appreciate the time, Eric. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Anytime, Scott. All right, coming up next, we'll shift gears. Gus Cattengill is going to join me, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. And then later, Trey Wingo. Mr. Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN. We, uh, I got a lot to talk to Trey about. I'm looking forward to getting into it in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll circle back, talk some more Cajun hoops later. This is the Great Scott Show coming at you on a Friday on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Child from the Hudson River. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Trey Wingo coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Going to talk about the live sports betting. The sports books are open here in the great state of Louisiana. It took long enough, but here we are. We made it. Going to talk more Cajun hoops like we did in the first segment. Later on, we'll have open phone lines for a portion of the eight o'clock hour. But joining me now, as he does each and every Friday, Nola segment, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kattengell. We uh, we have championship weekend here in the NFL, Gus. But I know here in South Louisiana, our neck of the woods, um, yeah, there are. I, I have this up on our website. There are eighteen players still playing in the playoffs with ties to Louisiana. And while there will be a lot of chatter about those games, and I'll certainly get your picks, the, the the since Tuesday, you know, Saints fans down here, sports fans down here, they've been talking about Sean Payton and his decision. And, Gus, I guess my first question to you is, when it happened, how surprised were you when you got the news? Okay, you know, the rumblings are true. There is fire where there's smoke. Sean Payton is stepping down as the New Orleans Saints head coach. Uh, probably like a lot of people, honestly. And I was, um, you know, shocked and disbelief. I mean, when I started seeing all these reports coming in, obviously <laughs> you're doing probably what, you know, you did and a lot of other people did and texting people or just, you know, can you kind of believe it? It was almost like just to try to figure out, you know, do I buy this? Do I not? Could this possibly be, you know, something that actually is, is going to happen or not? And, yeah, dude. I mean, uh, I, a lot of people that covered the team didn't didn't think it was possible. They sort of heard rumblings. I mean, when I had Larry on from the Athletic, he um, he, he did mention a couple times. He's like, you know, he just needs to step away. He needs some time. But I don't think anybody really thought he would sort of do it. But yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Now I said um, Tuesday morning before it happened, I was wrong. Uh, I said I would be shocked if he was coaching for another team next year. Um, I said I would be surprised, not shocked, surprised if he's not coaching the Saints. I, I gave it a 10% chance that he would just step away for a year. Uh, and maybe it'll be longer. I, I don't know. But it wasn't 10%, Gus. It was 100% because a few hours later it was official. He had a press conference, um, you know, at 3 it was all very quick. It was all very coordinated. It was tight, done, you know, from a PR standpoint, about, I guess, as good as you can, just kind of quick and to the point, and he's out of there. And before you can even really start processing it all, you know, he has 90 minutes, he walks out of the building, that's it. Because I, I've had a few people suggest, well, you know, he'll eventually come back to the Saints. That's not happening. Like, he, he's probably going to coach again. He's not going to be the head coach of the Saints again. I mean, I suppose never say never. There's some weird scenarios where maybe it could happen, but I doubt it. And, you know, I was I had James Butler on earlier this week, former NFL wide receiver, a buddy of mine, and he was like, you know, this is very Bill Parcells-like. Peyton always talks about Bill Parcells, how much he admires him, how much he learned from him. Parcells would do that, right? Now, Parcells didn't spend 16 years on a team, so there are notable differences. But he would spend a long time, you know, or, or a short time, he'd spend some time with a team, take a few years off, come back, coach again, kind of recharge his batteries, cut leave, come back, coach again. I, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, three years off for Peyton before he comes back, but 
I do get the sense, Gus, that he will coach again and it won't be with the Saints. What do you think Sean Payton does in both the near and long-term future? I absolutely think he coaches again. And as much as I hate to look at it, you know, I've already told my listeners, go ahead and prep for it, start to stomach it. I'd be shocked now if he doesn't coach the Dallas Cowboys, right? Um, but how do you think that would work? Do. Like, like before before well, you go down that road, because we've talked a lot yeah, about sure. Peyton, and yeah. you you got up close and personal. Certainly, it, I thought about you, some of the mistakes he made with the media early in his coaching career, because I remember the stories of him texting media members and asking him stuff and basically crossing some boundaries that maybe he shouldn't have, but he said he learned from it, right? He was a different coach at the end than he was at the beginning. But like we, but but one thing that remained the same with Sean is how much he loved control. He loved autonomy. He loved having it. I mean, you're not going to get that in Dallas. So if it is Dallas in the future, how do you think that would work with him and Jerry Jones? Well, you have to have that understanding, right? And and, and I think when you look at, uh, how would you call it? You know, how bad do you want me? Situation, right? Because it ain't going to be this year. And I definitely believe in that he's not coaching this. Year. So you're looking at the earliest next year. And, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl, he's already Jerry Jones, that is, desperate and willing to do whatever it takes to do that. Um, You get it once, and even at the Hall of Fame induction speech with Jimmy Johnson, he talked about how he made a mistake, you know, in that relationship with Seth. Maybe with the right person, (laughs) he, um, you know, he, he gives up that control and does that. Maybe Sean has the personality enough that can handle it um, and do that. I, I just I go to what Diana Rossini said a couple of days ago, um, the day that you know he had announced that he him for a couple of days and mentioned that if he did come back for coaching, it would have to be for a team that had strong ownership. Has some sort of, you know, clout as well, and it needs to be an organization like that as well. And she kept going on and on. And the one thing that stood out to me that she said, Scott, was specifically that she felt that it gave the indication that if perhaps this team to say a bigger name or a marquee organization that had clout or status, that maybe things like Sonolo no call and things wouldn't happen. And you remember for last week before this came out, there was a lot of, you know, talk about how, you know, him not feeling that the Saints get calls. Um, I think I forgot who wrote the column on him, but. Mike Triplett. That's, yeah, that bothered him, that he felt that, you know, that he thinks his team gets jobbed a bit. And, you know, you, you know from your phone call, Scott, many Saints fans are already convinced, right, that Roger Goodell in the NFL is out to get New Orleans. So. Or, 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 or but, but I think beyond that, I think it's Sean Payton, right, because of, you know, they, they wanted Tom Benson to fire Sean over the Bounty Gate stuff, which some of what was unsubstantiated. He didn't. He came right. back. Sean Payton publicly you know, said some things about Goodell. Goodell didn't like him. I mean, some feel like it was more of a Sean Payton thing than a, than a necessarily, I guess, a Saints thing. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm tough to work because as long as Jerry Jones is owner and GM, 
That's a that's a look. They're going to win some games. They're going to have prestige. But are they going to win the big one? You know, the last twenty six years will tell you no. They're going to choke more. You know, they've won three playoff games in the last. I, I there's. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, right? I just it's the idea of two things, and you could say, oh, well, Bill Parcells was like that, and he worked for Jerry, and it lasted a little while, and there was some success, but ultimately, you know, it definitely took its toll on Bill, um, and he ended up, you know, uh, stepping aside and leaving, and so I don't know. I, I guess I'll just say this. Yes, the chatter is going to be there in Dallas all next year, but I don't think Mike McCarthy should be the only one looking over his back. I think any coach in a, on, on a hot seat next year should maybe be looking looking over their back a little bit because I think Sean Payton got out at a good time. If he had left five years ago, three straight seven to nine seasons, say, you know, what's happening to the Saints? What did he do? Feel a lot different. He leaves now after five straight winning seasons, uh, four NFC South titles in there, most uh, wins in the NFC over the last five years, second to most wins in the NFL. If you're going to step aside – from the Saints for a year and get back into coaching a year or two later. I don't know that he could have picked a better time to do it, honestly. And he leaves on a, on a season where the Saints end with a win over the Falcons, but they don't make the playoffs. And yet a lot of the national narrative is how did they get to nine wins with four different starting quarterbacks and COVID and the injuries and all this other stuff and having to cut Norris Jenkins and yada, 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 and replace Drew Brees. So his <laughs> – his um, cachet right now, right, the, the name Sean Payton, it's got, I would say, more cachet now arguably than it has maybe ever. Well, maybe not after he won the Super Bowl, but certainly I'd say in the last like eight or nine years. So for him in terms of being able to keep his options open, he he probably couldn't have timed it better, honestly. No, there's no doubt. And I think when you go back and listen to what he had to say, um, you know, time. And I can understand that in a lot of different areas too, man. Whether it's our business, a certain place, coworkers, whatever, or we've all seen it one way, shape, or form, either with ourselves or people that we associate it with. You know, sometimes it's just good to get a fresh start, maybe take on a new challenge. And when you look at it, like what more could he have done? And you heard that a lot from some former players that came on my show, whether it's Scott Shanley, Lance Moore. Um, you know, Mike Carney and John Stinchcomb came on and they all kind of said it. It's that what what more can you that you can give? And I understand this is going, well, another championship, rebuilding our team, doing that. Attitude. I hear you. And and I think the thing that got me looking at it in a different perspective, perhaps, Scott, was you and I talk about our kids all the time when we get ready to, you know, do our segments or just chit-chat throughout the week, the weekend, see how each other was doing. Megan Payton posting on Tuesday the photo of them when they first got here. Right, little. I mean, they were, the they were, they were almost, I mean, they weren't babies, babies, but, you know, they no, were so young. You're like, look at those babies. little babies. So, yeah. Well, and, and what really hits you is when Connor, you know, like from 5 to 21. Mm-hmm. He's a 21-year-old. You know, I mean, it's that, that's a long time. Like, it, you know, when I'm thinking about it, I'm having trouble processing Scott. My kid's starting to leave right now. You know, I'm mean, like, what just happened to you? I mean, he's completely independent, puts his clothes on and everything. And I'm having trouble that he turns five in December. And the bike I got him for Christmas 
is too small. Like he's just sprouting in, you know, almost in February. And I'm like, what, what's happening? 15 years? Like, I, I, I have trouble processing that, you know? I mean, he'd, he'd be 20. 16 <laughs> years. Yeah, I, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I think of that, that's a lot. That is a lot of time, dude. That, that is. So I get it. You know, selfishly, I think we look at it as, oh, he can still coach. He can still rebuild. We see the moves that he made, how he kept this team together. It is. But, you know, again, it's a lot of time in one place. Maybe you just want to try and you have that opportunity. Not a lot of us are given that, you know. I think he'd be great as a color analyst. Hearing him talk off mic or after his pressure, after practice, just football. That's the best Sean. I've always said this. OTA minicamp Sean is incredible. Regular season Sean is difficult. And I get it, though. That's his job. His job's to win, and he compartmentalizes things. And injuries, info, that's none of my business because it doesn't help him. It doesn't help his team. I don't think it's ever been personal for a large extent. Like I said, probably a person or two, just like a player or two that kind of didn't care for, right? He said that this week. He'll be rooting for former Saints, Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson. Maybe not so much for Eli. He said Eli a little, and then he laughed. He's very aware. He's very he's very aware of what happens on social media. He's very aware and keen of that. And Scott, that's my point. That when we would talk to him in April and May, and in early June in minicamp, man, he really does understand football at a high level. But it's his ability to communicate it get you to understand it to where it helped, it's helped me explain it and see things of how I view the game. And, you know, I, uh, somebody covers the team and I were talking over the weekend about this. Could it happen? Could it not? Because one of my points that I thought, no, because I'm like, John's still engaged. He still wants to be a part of the game. He direct messaged him following a tweet that he had put out there about the Bengals' offensive line being so poor. Sean Payton direct messages him and explains why it is and how you need to fix it and what they're not doing right. I mean, I just smiled when I saw that because that's Sean. That's Sean. I mean, that's, he's seeing it. He understands how to help a poor offensive line. He understands how you protect your quarterbacks. And you have a guy like Drew that's similar to Joe in this standpoint, he knows pre-snap what you're doing. And he can beat you with it. You've watched this week tons of national breakdowns of how Joe Burrow in that game against Tennessee knew what was coming and things of that nature. So I think he enjoys watching games like that and seeing it. And I think, like Madden, he has that love for the game. I actually think he'd be a fantastic color. And what I was told earlier this week when all this kind of started was could be Fox thinking about bringing him in as a home run hire to replace Aikman because apparently Amazon's trying to grab Aikman because Amazon's signing him on the night football and all that stuff. So I think him as a color analyst would be great from two, three aspects. Got A, 
I think he could really convey the game and almost be like Romo with Nance to an extent. I don't know if he'd be as excited on certain things, but I definitely think he could explain the game and make you think like you're watching film with him while you're watching live football. I think the other element is I don't know if studio work it's him. I, I think he likes the sights, the smells, the talking with coaches, and being able to be color and doing a game, Scott. You get to every week meet with that team. You're in tune with rosters. You're in tune with how the game is going. So you want to be a part of it and kind of touch it. That's as good as it gets, right? Because he's not going to be on the C and D team, so he'll be on the A or B team which means he's either going to get the game of the week or the next best game. So he'll always be around the good teams. And you'll always have your meetings the day before. You can have that good dinner like they're used to on Saturday night. You call the game in the stadium, sight, sounds, the crowd, you know, doing all of that, and then you jet off. That, to me, makes a lot of sense, and it's who Sean is. Um, getting to the studio, like when you watch Jimmy and Brad Sean and and you know the Scott, they go on live there in L.A. They're probably there at 7, 8 o'clock call to go on at 9 or something, their time to 11. And then you're in there all day in a big room with a bunch of big TVs watching it in the room. Then you go do your halftime, and then you do your post game, then you're done. Now, look, for some, probably not a bad deal. A couple mil to go sit in the room and watch football. But if I have the choice to be in a stadium – and call the game of the week and be able to talk to coaches and players, get that one-on-one time, and actually be in a stadium. I'd much rather do that, I think, but that's me. But I, I think he would do really well in that, and I, I think that's what you're going to see him do this year. I do think he's going to do TV at some point this year. Too many people saying that a couple of deals have already been expressed. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Here's a, a question I got to ask you, Gus. Uh, it's ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Bray, the great Scott Show. Gus Gattengill visiting with us. If you're listening to us via the stream on the ESPN Lafayette app, it's brought to you by Champagne's Mark on the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Coming up later in the show, I will have a conversation with Trey Wingo. We'll talk NFL uh, championship weekend betting. Uh, sportsbooks now open here in the state of Louisiana. Uh, DraftKings guys put in the code 1420 download the DraftKings sports book not the fantasy sports book the sports book put in that promo code 1420 hundred dollars in free bets while the promotion is still going on um, and we'll talk Cajun hoops as we did earlier in the show a little bit later on as well Gus we, we I I was asked this question I guess more than I thought I would have been and then I finally just put a poll up yesterday on our Twitter page um, as I was egged on by a troll to do so, and that is, is Sean Payton a quitter? Now, there are some uh, Saints fans out there that believe he did. Um, I, I, I say no, right? A couple of reasons. Number one, you know, uh, Jim Mora. As much as I love Jim Mora, and he's the only other coach in the history of the franchise that finished with with more wins than losses, I say he quit because it happened in the middle of a season, right? We, in my opinion, that sucked. We got our ass kicked, diddly poo, the famous rant, you know, one of many for, for the great Jim Mora. And then that was it. He left, quit midseason, didn't get fired, quit, right? I mean, people bring up Bobby Petrino. Well, yeah, he quit. He was 13 games into his first season and left by leaving a note on everyone's locker. Didn't even tell anybody. Wasn't even going to tell his coaches till the GM forced him to. 
Uh, major difference there. You know, Peyton left after 16 years and 15 seasons uh, and a lot of winning and a lot of good stuff, and he talked to the owner about it well before he actually made the decision. Um, you know, it was – it was I. I and and they're, oh, what about a contract? What about a contract? Well, first of all, number one, he can get fired at any point. But number two, no coach like in football, college or pro, coaches through the end of their contract. They're either extended or they're fired. Like a college coach never does it because nobody is going to go play for a coach in college sports that's on the last year of their deal because every other coach is going to tell them, you're going to get recruited by this guy. He's not even going to be there next year. Right? It doesn't happen in the NFL because either you're too good and you get extended or you're not good enough and you get fired. So the whole contract thing is nonsense. Not to mention, in regards to this argument, the contract benefits the team still. Because if Sean wants to go coach somewhere in a year or two or three, the Saints will get compensated for it. And they're not paying him right now because he's not working. So the contract works a number of ways. But the whole argument of, well, you got to honor a contract, like this isn't – you, this isn't contract labor where you signed a deal and, it, and and there were guarantees and all this other stuff. That's not how these contracts work. And when it comes to football coaches and college coaches in any sport, they're never coaching on the very last year of their deal, especially in football. So all that stuff is just malarkey in my opinion. But then you got the train of thought of, well, you know, he saw what they were working with. The season was really hard. He doesn't have a quarterback currently that he likes, yada, yada, cap, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I say no, he did not quit. There are some Saints fans out there that absolutely believe he did. I gave you my reason and my reason why. Where are you at with that take on did Sean did Sean Payton quit the Saints? Well, I mean, on surface, it's not a false statement in terms that he left the job. He stepped down short of his contract in terms of that we hired you to do this and you stopped. Now, he stopped because he couldn't do it anymore. Wanted to step away, wanted to try something different. You are absolutely allowed to do that. In terms of, I always feel, man, you got to do what makes you happy. If you're not invested mentally and emotionally, you're just not going to be able to do a good job, and then you're not going to be happy. If you're not happy, it affects every aspect of your life, man. Personal life, professional life, and then your personal life. I mean, like in terms of how you feel. And, you know, having just gotten married, you know, a year ago, so he has a relatively new wife from that aspect of it. Again, maybe you learn mistakes from the first go around to the second. Maybe spending more time doing things that nature. When Cam Jordan was on Get Up on Thursday, he said, you know, I, I know for a fact Sean went days stringed together where he never went home. We just stayed at the facility. And, you know, that's tough. I mean, I I look at it like this. Again, I look at life so differently now, as you do, Scott, with, with kids. I mean, I traveled this week to Orlando for just a very simple, you know, one night game the next day, left Tuesday night, played Wednesday, chartered home until about 10 o'clock on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, go, he FaceTimes me crying. Missing me. Why do I have to work? From school Thursday, crying. I want to go to school. Why do I have to work? He's at that age where he wants to hang out with dad and not do those things. That's tough, you know. So again, we're kind of at the beginning of this conversation where we're talking about 
when you think that Connor was five and he's now 21. How many of those moments, dude? Well, it's, not it's, it's done. I mean, it's past. You know, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. see they're, they're so, grown up now. But Yeah, it's hard for me to say you quit when you could have when Drew walked away and you could have in the season and all those different aspects. Look, he did. He finished the year out. Finished the year out. It's like, man, it's been exhausting. It's time. So I can't call him a quitter from that standpoint because – that almost, to me, overlooks all of the positive things it, it, that somebody it, did. Yeah, the know? contract thing is, I guess, I mean, and this is just, I'm just speaking for me, but that's that part of the argument annoys me because if, if somebody believes that, and, and again, no, what was the last NFL coach that just coached out his contract and left? When was the last time that happened? Like, in today's day and age, you either have an extension or you're fired. Like, it's... Agents don't allow their coaches essentially to just be in the last year of their deal. So if you're of that, if you have the other way around too, how many of these coaches just this year got fired? Right. It's exactly it. Like that's that's my point. Like if, if you're under the impression of, well, he has a contract and needs to honor it. Then you believe that every NFL coach and basically every college football coach and, and college basketball coach and the likes are, they all either are fired or quitters, one or the other, because there's no other way that it could happen because they're not just working out the end of a deal. Like, I, I don't like the comparison to, like, other things in life because every industry is different, and as, as it pertains to these specific contracts, they're different. And, again, not to mention, like, like Billy Napier left UL for Florida. I don't think he quit UL, right? I mean, he left for another job. He was under contract. Well, guess what? That contract helped UL. I mean, UL got $3 million for that if I, off the top of my head. I think that was the buyout, something like that. So, you know, this Peyton contract, right? It, it, the Saints probably are going to get compensation at some point. What will that be? Time will tell. But uh, Gus Kangel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, I, I was on your show Wednesday. We talked about this. All signs seem to be pointing to Dennis Allen. You know, uh, he pulls out of the Bears interview. Bears hired someone yesterday, and I, I know the Saints requested an interview with Aaron Glenn, who was on the Saints staff for a while, now the D.C. in Detroit. I think being that Aaron Glenn has a history with the Saints, and, of course, Dennis Allen's in the building, and he has head coaching experience, didn't do great during his time in Oakland, let's just put it bluntly, even though, you know, Al Davis, certainly toward the end of his life, was, um, you know, ownership was – uh, we'll just be nice and say questionable at best um, in Oakland at the time. Um, but my point is this. Eric Bieniemy seems like he's going to be a great coach, and the fact that he's a New Orleans native and a great offensive mind, it would make a lot of sense. But when when a coach is fired versus when a coach leaves, there's two totally different mindsets, especially when a coach leaves after five straight winning seasons, you know, four of the five NFC South championships. When a coach leaves on a good note, you don't want to tear something down and sort of restart. You want to try to, I don't know, not even redirect. You you just you want to try to keep it going. And it makes too much sense for them not to just go the Dennis Allen route, right? Like, seems like there'll be a promotion, and maybe Chris Richards promoted to DC. Maybe they talk Aaron Glenn into coming back to New Orleans as a DC there instead of Detroit. I don't know, but. I think there'll be a few new members of the staff, but I also think you're you're going to see a lot of that staff still together in Dennis Allen as the next head coach of the Saints. What are your thoughts on where the Saints go in terms of head coach from here? 
knowing that organization and the way Sean spoke about him, you know, in that hour, man, you heard him consistently talk about the relationships and relationships he has with Flausha and, you know, Mrs. Benson and Mickey. You know, and look, Jeff Ireland hasn't been hired as a GM. Right now, you know, he interviewed. Allen interviewed. Flausha didn't get the job in Chicago. So if I'm looking at it organizationally, from a structure standpoint, I'm probably feeling, even though we had conversations, I'm probably feeling like many fans, right? I mean, I'm probably a little surprised. So I don't know if I was ready for it, if I was prepping for it, and want to figure out what I can do with my team. And one of the reasons and things that we've talked about in the last two weeks, Scott, is the optimism that surrounds this team because I, like you, don't think they're that far away. You gotta make some big decisions. Gotta get some key players, sure. But there is still a good amount of talent here. I saw Daniel Jeremiah on Thursday or Wednesday tweeting something like, If I'm other teams, I'm calling for the veterans on the Saints squad. They're ready to rebuild. I'm like, I don't see that. So if that's the case, it would make sense organizationally to try to keep as much cohesiveness as possible until this current crop of players then doesn't go. Like, I have to run it back as much as I can on the defensive side, as much as I can with this team, with a stable quarterback that plays at least some, not most of the season. That makes sense, Scott. Like, I need to know what this team would look like, what this defense essentially playing, and a starting quarterback that plays, you know, longer than six, seven games and see if I'm a playoff team. If I'm not, then come call me next year. But until then, I can't make a fair assessment because I do think in the draft, you could find a receiver, could help your offensive line. Michael Thomas should be healthy. Jameis Winston decides to come back. I think he's a comparable quarterback for sure to start in the league for you. You elevate Pete Carmichael. All right, now it's your show. Go get him. And you keep Allen, elevate Ryan Nielsen from D-line coach and the associate head coach, keep the associate title, and, you know, make him defensive coordinator. Everybody's gotten promoted, but it's still a team that has its staff kind of intact and together, and you don't have nearly as much change of feel. Fight is going to be different. Maybe, maybe not. You still have a locker room stock full of leaders that, you know, know their time's running out. So I, I think me, the fact they even asked to interview Aaron Glenn also brings the point there as well. I think Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach in this league much sooner rather than later. I don't know now. If Dennis Allen would have left, I'd have been calling Aaron Glenn. My, my personal take. I, from my experiences with him, talking to him, seeing how he changed that secondary, watching him at practice every day, energy level. I mean, dude, he's Tomlin and Peyton in one. Dude. <laughs> I, I love Aaron Glenn. I love Aaron Glenn. So um, that, to me, would make so much more sense than trying to bring somebody else in with their vision and ideals. I would almost probably try to, you know, Kind of stick with somebody that understands what our vision is, what our culture is, what our philosophy is, what works here. 
And to me, I, I kind of liken it to stock, whether it's a huge business, media business, or just business overall. You know, when CEOs step down, sometimes you had to go get somebody outside. But for the most part, you know, your weeknight anchor leaves, you know, promote the weekend anchor or, you know, the sports director leaves, Scott, and the guy that does weekends becomes the sports director. So I think it makes sense from a lot of standpoint. Again, I'm not to say I wouldn't be shocked or not, but Sean Payton called him a great candidate. I think there's other people in there that would sense on it at all. But I, I, I just think it makes too much sense to not. Now, you have to go through the process legally in the NFL and do different things to make sure that you, quote, unquote, have your search. But I have a hard time buying that that hasn't been discussed or talked about. And you brought it up on my show, too, man, that, that Tampa game. All he did was go face the Bucks, shut them out, and that team looked like the Saints. So if there was a tryout, <laughs> that's a good tryout. I know a lot is brought up about his Raiders, but you had Al Davis meddling. You had a team that wasn't built for success. And we forget Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, their teams that had their most success was their third stop, right? So – I mean, I, I, I look at Dennis Allen's past and that record, but it's two completely different things. I think he would have been more games if the Saints can do it. Yeah, way. and I, I think even if he doesn't coach, you know, head coach in that game, if Sean never got COVID again, that he's probably – they're probably still going in the same direction. Like, that game certainly doesn't hurt. I, I, I think there's some guys that just are meant to be head coaches. Like, Aaron Cromer was not the – interim interim Saints coach in 2012 before Joe Vitt came back. I mean, that guy didn't know what he was doing. And maybe he can coach in O-line, but, you know, you kind of follow some of the stuff he's done since then and just doesn't have the makeup of a head coach, right, um, leading a whole team for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think Dennis Allen has that. I think that's going to be their guy, and I think that's where they're going. Uh, Gus Kattengill, our Saints of Pelicans correspondent, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Trey Wingo coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Talk a little more Cajun hoops in the next segment briefly before we get to Wingo, but still visiting with Gus. Gus, championship weekend. Let's shift gears. Um, I'm giving my picks. I like Kansas City. Um, I know a lot of folks rooting for Cincinnati. I am. I'll, I'll be rooting for the Bengals, but I think Kansas City wins. I like Kansas City minus 7 um, Bengals have been a nice story, but I mean, uh, good luck. Good luck against that offense with Casey's working in Arrowhead. It's going to be loud as hell. It's going to be late. Uh, Niners Rams. I like the Niners. I think the Rams are at the top of their roster. They have better talent, certainly not at the bottom, but you know, I, I was saying this yesterday. I mean, Kyle Shanahan He's probably going to be on Mari Povich next week, and they're going to open an envelope to find out who the father of the L.A. Rams is, and it's going to be him because he owns McVay right now. He has handled the Rams. He's great at game planning. And just seeing the Rams, I know, I know, they're, they, they've got talent. Matt Stafford played well last week, but seeing how they almost blew that 27-3 lead, seeing how they blew a big lead, you know, um, a little less than three, you know, three weeks ago in the final game of the season that Saints fans are watching closely. I just from a game planning standpoint, man, this this Niners team, I, I think they I think they get it done in LA. And I think you're having a rematch of the Super Bowl from several years ago. I'm I'm taking the Chiefs minus seven, the Niners plus three and a half. What are your picks for this weekend, Gus? 
Man, it's just crazy to think at the same time, like, odds at some point, right, that the Rams have got to beat the 49ers at some point. Look, if they've played like they've played the last two weeks, the Rams will win. Um, I, again, I think it comes down to who you're trusting. If Stafford made that play, can he make it again? He just played them. I, it's kind of one of those things where you look at when the Saints played the Bucks a couple of years ago, right, last year, and it was like, well, the Saints went to Tampa and smoked them. And, like, it's probably not going to happen again, and you saw the playoff game was different. So, much as I, 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 I hate even saying the Rams now, I just, I'd probably go Rams just because I just, I can't see them being dominated again. I mean, they were really rolling some dice. Um, and my fandom's not going to let me pick KC. I would say. So, why not? I love the fact that they brought up noise this week. And Joe Burrow's like, try playing in the SEC. I don't think the noise is going to affect them. I mean, does it create a false start or so? That's fine. But Scott, he's starting to get to the point where, as I told you last week when it came to the Bengals, I kept saying, why not? Remember? Why not? I mean... That dude got sacked nine times. Nine. That's just sacks. Yeah. How many times did he get hit? A lot. Even on completions. And that dude wasn't bothering him. You think noise is going to bother him? You think a couple of penalties is going to bother him? That guy, okay, he's third and 18. Here's a 20-yard out. I, I just, that's the difference when you have an elite all-world quarterback, man, that I just don't think is bothered by things. And... I think the biggest factor that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is something that you hear a lot when it comes to college games and stuff like that, even sometimes in the pros. That would be very emotional, hard-fought game that the Chiefs just played at home, and that almost felt like the AFC Championship game, right? And I said to you last week, if I'm the Bengals, that first game when you played in the playoffs, that was probably the most pressure-packed game because you're at home, you had one playoff game in however many years. You know, it's just I, I thought of the analogy in the Saints played the Vikings for the NFC Championship game here. The Breeze and other players talked about, you know, man, you know, everywhere we went, people were bringing it up. You better not lose. You better not lose. You better not lose. Well, they passed that. They won at home. They won their playoff game. They played with house money. Um at Tennessee, and you saw Tennessee, the closer that game was, the more that they trailed, it, you know, the pressure is on them, and they have to now make plays. I think even if KC comes out, scores, has the lead, I think there's belief in that locker room that they can still win. I know it's not going to affect Joe. I think when your best receiver also has the same makeup and mentality where he's not bothered by it, he's going to go out there and make the play, I mean – 20 seconds, dude. You know, they got the field goal range in 20 seconds. And, you know, a lot's made, obviously, the 13 seconds and all of that. But that's just it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I, I, I do think, you know, it's logical to think, hey, Casey's been there so much, man. While Joe and Jamar may feel a certain way, because the rest of the team feel a certain way. Plus, they got Eli Apple, right? <laughs> and, and you got a guy like Tyree Kale that can just catch anything and, I mean, score a touchdown. So I do think KC 
it's just, you know, a step ahead. I, I think this reminds me of like that 016 of the Saints, Scott, where we saw the growth, we saw the potential, and I'm with you. Um, I think Burrow winning an MVP, Burrow winning a Super Bowl is coming. I, I don't know if it's this Sunday. I just think they're, they're you know, it'd be surprising, man. It'd be surprising for them with you, you know. So I think logically, I'm with you, Rams. I think Rams and Chiefs. ESPN Lafayette. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got Rams, Chiefs. I'll take Niners, Chiefs. Gus Cattingale has been our guest. Final thing, man. Uh, Pels play tonight. Um, uh, they're selling those Herb Jones jerseys in the team store in New Orleans, as they should. Man, I uh, love that guy. Um, you got you got the Nuggets tonight, but I think you know where this team's at since that rough start. We've talked a lot about it week to week. My question to you this week, last question of the segment, just one on the Pels. Trade deadline. Are, are are they making a move here? Because there's a lot of chatter about the Pelicans being one of those teams that have been active on the phones. I know uh, the trade deadline is coming up soon. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the uh, the date is February 10th. So, you know, not too far from now. Where, where are you at with the Pels, and uh, do you see them making any moves? I, I do think they're doing their due diligence, and it makes sense. You need shooting. You need more consistent shooting, three-point shooting, guard play. I mean, I can't find a single person that doesn't want Sadoransky cut from the team. The problem is, as, as people keep telling me, you don't have another point guard. Like, you don't have another player that can bring the ball to you. Does that change if Zion comes back? Does that change if he can go find another point guard in these minutes? Um, so, I do think you're probably looking for that. You're probably open to suggestions um, and seeing who's on the table. I just don't know if you, you know, I keep seeing this thing about T.J. McCollum and all this. I, here's the thing, man. <laughs> I don't know that I kind of want to mess with a cohesiveness in the locker room right now that's just playing from one another. Are they talented enough to compete in the West? No. But, again, if they're going into the assumption of we're just trying to build the best team surrounding Zion, I can't answer that because I haven't seen him yet. And what I have seen who's a group of guys that will play hard, play defense, pass the basketball, support and believe in one another. And if you put him there in the middle with that surrounding him, can that compete in the West? Valentinus and, and somebody. So I don't know how much of those pieces I, I'm willing to kind of let go. You know what I mean? I, if I had to, like, Say I'm okay parting with on certain players. I mean, I, I I just keep having trouble understanding why Billy Hernan and Gomez is not playing. The guy starts last game in Philly, dropped 29 points. He's, double digit how can you not love Billy, I mean, man? I love that guy's spirit. Dude, he didn't play since January 3rd, and I understand why you need to play Jackson Hayes. I understand he's a top 10 pick. I understand that, but I also understand this. The other guy is better. The other guy's better. So if a team calls me and he's a piece that I can use to better my team, I'm doing it. I, I'm pulling it. I, I mean, it's a simple question I've asked everybody, and even I've asked you, is Jackson Hayes a starter of the season? No. I don't, I, don't, I don't even see that in five years. I, I don't. So um, if that's the case, then he's available. I mean, that's I, I, I how I look at it when it comes to trades, like young players. Like, do you see that guy being an impact six? seventh guy off the bench, or even a starter. If they're not, they're available. I mean, I, if it helps me 
around my two stars. And, you know, I, so this guy's got to get back. I, mean, I don't know if that photo on Instagram of him bringing the ball up the court, the Pell's uniform is, is, a, is, a, is a carrot, um, you know, it's a sign of things to come. We'll see. But I, I'm still holding on hope and belief that you'll see him Friday after the All-Star game. I mean, that's three weeks or four weeks from now. Um, you know, the, the 25th. So the All-Star game is the 20th, the 25th, Scott. So when you take a look at, you know, just a, a calendar, um, that field was the 28th. So you got the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, the 25th. Dude, that's four Fridays from today. If that guy ain't on the court by then, then there's a lot of explaining to do. You know what I mean? Because the six-week mark is this week, and I'm giving him an extra four weeks to um, to be able to, to at least give me some minutes. Get him back the after the you All-Star know? break. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's the first game, you know, and you got a road trip. You're at Phoenix and, and uh, you know, the other one's at, uh, on ESPN, I think Denver. But anyway, you're, you're there. Go so Utah. So, bottom line, he should be ready to play on the 25th. Like, that's how I'm looking at it. You told me four to six weeks, six weeks ago. I'm giving you an extra month. If he's not ready then, well, then you should have had surgery. You should have had something. So I'm going with the 25th, and until I see that guy on that court, I don't know if I'm ready to make a bunch of drastic moves. I mean, you are where you are right now. You're playing for the 10th spot. If not, you're going to be drafting in a certain spot. So, you know what? You're not going to have the pressure of, hey, well, you let Zion down this year because of the team around you. It, it, he didn't play. So I, I don't know if I have that pressure where I got to make splash moves or make the playoffs. And then at the same time, does that give you sustainable success as the phrase that David Griffin's been telling us for years? That is Gus Cadengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. He has been our guest. Pronola segment. This morning, give Gus a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven at GKATT underscore one seven. Check out the sports hangover noon to three Monday through Fridays on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, as always, my friend, I appreciate the time, the perspective, the conversation, and uh, we'll see who's uh, playing in the Super Bowl when we chat next week. I know there's uh, two weeks between games. Crazy now with the you know, the NFL season used to start a week earlier, right? It used to uh, also, you know, of course, was only 16-game season, not 17-game season. You know, when we were young, this was Super Bowl week, right? Right now, this upcoming weekend, um, now it's, you know, we're still, you're looking at like Valentine's Day weekend or the weekend before until they finally play the big game. But you know what? I'm not going to complain about more football later in the year. I'm good with it, dude. I'm good with it. Yeah, uh, it is weird. I keep telling everybody it's Super Bowl weekend, and it's not. It's, it's, it's a couple more times, weeks to go. So. Appreciate, we'll appreciate the time, brother. We'll chat again next week. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, coming up next, UL versus Georgia State at the Dome last night. We'll dig into that. Trey Wingo after that, the former ESPN personality, knows plenty about the NFL. He's also up to date with the betting line. Speaking of betting, whoo. It's live. Sportsbooks are open in Louisiana, online, and at the brick and mortars. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I uh, went a little long with Gus, so we got a short segment here because we got Trey Wingo coming up, and I don't want to be late getting Trey on, so I apologize. I won't be able to take your phone calls in this segment. Um, Cajuns last night, disappointing, bottom line. Talked about it in the opening segment this morning uh, and had Eric Moots on to talk about it as well. But 20 turnovers, 6-13 to 13 at the line. They got to the free throw line only twice in the first half, and some of that is... You know, they were they were struggling and they were, you know, playing on the outside. Kentrell Garnett was the only guy kind of hitting the three ball, keeping him in it. And uh, But the turnovers just cost them too much. Can't turn the ball over against Georgia State. Really can't turn it over against anybody. But in particular against them, they talked about it. Coach Marlin said we talked about it and we didn't execute. Bottom line, if you missed the opening segment with Eric Mouton, uh, you can go back and listen to my show On Demand today. Once it uh, finishes airing, subscribe to The Great Scott Show wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all those places. Great Scott Show via ESPN Lafayette. You can also hear the podcast on the ESPN Lafayette app on demand or at ESPNLafayette.com. Lots of places to get it. And for those of you that like to listen online, um, ESPN Lafayette, if you're listening via the stream, that's brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. For instance, ha- Andrew Wiggins is having a good season. Okay, I'm not even suggesting that maybe he couldn't have possibly been a borderline all-star off the bench, but probably not. How in the hell is this guy starting for the Western Conference? It's like, what? Really? This? We live in a world where Andrew Wiggins is an NBA starter. You got Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, and, and, and Andrew Wiggins. Eastern Conference starters, DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, like, you remember when Zaza Pajulia nearly was an all-star game starter in 2017? It almost happened because his home country of Georgia – all got behind him, all supported him, and he was almost voted in as a starter. And then the league, the NBA, decided, you know what? We're not going to get rid of the fan vote completely, but let's cut it in half. Let's not have the starters be 100% fan vote. So they made it 50% fan vote, and then they used votes from the media and players responsible for 25% each. So fans, 50%, players, 25 coaches, 25 And that was supposed to, you know, ensure that the right players would be starting in the All-Star game, the highest honor for an NBA player year to year. Well, I get that Wiggins is more deserving than Zaza Pachulia. I get he's a better candidate. But, I mean, come on. The three best front court players in the Western Conference? Even with even with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Anthony Davis all missing time this year because of injury, Wiggins still he's not even the second to best player on his own team. He's not even the best front court player on his own team. That's Draymond Green, who beat Wiggins out 
in the player vote and the media vote. But he ranks um, he ranks sixth in fan voting. Fans don't like Green because, well, they just think he runs his mouth too much or he's a troll or he's this or he's that. His own fan base stuffed the ballot for somebody on his own team, and he's not starting. And he was next in line. If it wasn't going to be Wiggins, it was going to be him. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not, you know, the biggest cat guy, but Rudy Gobert, is it, people don't like whatever. All these guys are more deserving to start in the West over Andrew Wiggins. And I know he's not a front court player, but how's, I mean, come on, how's Chris Paul not in there? I guess. All right, whatever. I like the John Morant's in there. I get it, but dude. I mean, the Suns are 38-9. They have the best record in the league. Paul hasn't missed a single game. God, imagine if New Orleans had been able to sign that dude. Jeez. They wanted it, but he got his max money, even at his age, from the Phoenix Suns. Anyway. Really, Andrew Wiggins? No disrespect, but come on. Come on. I'm not, Brandon, I'm not saying Brandon Ingram should have started. He shouldn't be a starter, not with the Pelicans record. But he averages more points, assists, and rebounds per game, and he's the best player on his team. And he could play in the front court. He could play, I mean, small forward. Come on. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Trey Wingo joins me next. You know Trey from his days at ESPN, whether it be NFL Live, whether it be Sports Center, whether it be hosting the draft, whether it be Golik and Wingo in the mornings. I got a lot to talk to Trey about. We'll talk about the Saints and the NFL and Championship Weekend and online sports betting. We also got to talk a little bit about movies, maybe even The Princess Bride. Sorry, I might geek out a little. Hey, don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show is coming your way next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What you what are you saying? Oh, you the TV don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static. Oh, you Welcome back into the great Scott show coming at you on a Friday, baby. That's right. It is Friday. As promised, joining me now, the same day that Sports betting is uh, live, right? In Louisiana, you've been waiting long enough. enough. Online sports betting is finally here. Here to talk to us about that and much, much more is a longtime sports broadcaster. Many of you know him from his days uh, with ESPN. He's still doing big things. That would be Mr. Trey Wingo. Good morning, Trey, man. Thanks for making the time. How's life? Oh, Scott, life is wonderful, and life is great in Louisiana. Mobile sports betting has gone live with the Caesar Sportsbook app. Can't be a better than that. It's, it's taken a while, but here we are. Um, I'm glad Louisiana's finally done it. Uh, before we get into that, man, what's, uh, what's your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? Uh, you got to fight for your right to just, party, and just, that's what we're going to do in New Orleans now. Come on. It's, uh, that's, that's a no-brainer for me. That one's always <laughs> Just go with the classic, yeah. right? Just go with the classic. Hit, hit the guitar riff and, uh, and let her rip. Uh, Trey Wingo's our guest. So, look, man, uh, for some of our listeners that don't know, tell us a little bit about what, what life's been like for you uh, post-ESPN. 
It's been great. Um, you know, uh, as you mentioned, working with Caesars, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm also calling events for the PGA Tour. I have my own podcast, Half Forgotten History. I work with another company called Pro Football Network, and I do some stuff with them online. Uh, I also write for Facebook, treywingo.bulletin.com, and it's been great. Uh, you know, it's been really, really a lot of fun, and uh, uh, it's, it's more of where I get to set my own schedule and sort of telling me where to be and when, which I really enjoy. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, look, man, I know, you know, those early radio mornings as someone that does it, I, uh, it's not for everybody, bro. I mean, I know that you weren't yeah. crazy about doing it. Like, I know you had fun with Golik, but now being able to make yeah. your own schedule and live near the beach, I, I'm sure there's part of you that's enjoying that. Yeah, listen, and, and working with Golik was great. For, you know, for the people that don't know, we did NFL Live together for years, and we were always friends. So, like, that, that was always a, a fun part of it. So, you know, uh, in fact, actually, I was just texting with him yesterday. just found out he's going to be a, a – a grandfather for the first time. His son Jake and his wife Jenny are expecting a baby boy, and his his daughter Sydney's getting married in April. We'll all be at the wedding. So, look, it's all great. Everything. It's it, Mike's doing great now with the stuff he's doing on the radio and working with DraftKings. He's having a blast, and and uh, we're having a blast. Obviously, working with Caesars and all the other stuff I'm doing. So it just it worked out the way it was supposed to be. All right. Well, I I got two ESPN things for you. Then we'll move on. Uh, of all your years hosting NFL Live, and for me personally, I know you did sports and other stuff. That's where I would see you the most. Uh, what what yeah. was your most memorable episode of NFL Live, and why? <laughs> well, there are so many. Like the Friday tape offs we used to do with Schlereth and Teddy Bruschi were just epically fun, and those two guys were just great. We also did one uh, one Friday, and it it just sort of became this organic thing. Uh, we all three of us loved the movie The Princess Bride. And so, like, halfway through the first block of the show, we just decided, let's see how many Princess Bride references we can get into this show. And, you know, Teddy started talking about, you know, the Seattle cornerbacks, the Legion of Boom, are the ROUSs of the NFL road in some unusual size. And, I don't think you know, exists. <laughs> Slareth talk, talked about someone going into a, a place like Denver and you won't win because there will be no survivors. And, uh, you know, I said, well, let me, let me explain. No, there's not enough time. Let me sum up. You can still find it on YouTube. Like, we dropped – and it was completely organic. It wasn't planned. We just did it. You know what I mean? And then the entire show, we were just trying to find, can we get another reference in here? Can we get another reference in here? And we, we had so much fun. Like, that was the thing about it. All of that shows – and I'm, I appreciate you saying that because, yeah, SportsCenter was fine. But if someone says to me, what was your lasting – what do you remember most about your time at these games? Working on NFL Live with those guys. And obviously the draft was great, too. Don't get me wrong. But – on a day-to-day basis for a lot of years, working with Teddy and Stinks and Darren Woodson and Merrill Hodge and Ron Jaworski, Tim Hasselbeck, Jeff Saturday, Ryan Clark, Damian Woody. I mean, those, were my, those are still my friends. Like, I still talk to those guys at least once a week, and I'm doing a lot of work with Stinks still. So it was just it was the greatest. I had the greatest gig of all time there for a long time. I think we should continue this interview and just drop Princess Bride references if you're game. Um, uh, yeah, are you, do you happen to have uh, six fingers on your left hand? Well, see, I was, you, you took it from me earlier. I was going to wait till we talked about Mahomes and act like he has an extra hand or finger or something. But we'll start. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you can beat me here. If you think well, it'll he, work, it'll take a miracle. He will drive Buffalo to the Cliffs of Insanity. I can promise you that. <laughs> you think it'll work? It'll take a miracle. I will. Um, the other thing, uh, the, the Jerry Stackhouse Sports Center commercial where he's just laughing and then you're kind of looking at him in like – I don't know, disarray, and he's like, no, really, man. Like, what's your name? You're like, it's Trey Wingo. And he, yeah. Who, wh- who, where did that come from? Like, who thought of that? The, 
Well, that's a great story, actually, because he now works with me at Caesars. It's a guy named Spence Kramer who uh, worked. Uh, he was our internal creative guy working with an ad agency called Wyden Kennedy. which did a bunch of the Nike spots as well. And he goes, listen, I got an idea. How do you feel about this? And I thought it was hilarious because my name is weird. Like, it's just stupid. And it is my name. Like, my real name is Hal Chapman Wingo III, but my family's always called me Trey because I'm the third. I'm the third Hal Wingo in the family. So I grew up as Trey. And, um, you know, my name was not normal. It's really stupid. And so they were like, you want to do this? I'm like, absolutely. And what I loved about that commercial was we shot it in my old cubicle at the time. And when they zoom in on Jerry Stackhouse, there's a picture of my two kids, I think, who were like three and seven at the time. And, of course, they're now 29 and 26. So it's, it's just a little crazy. But that's my favorite thing about that. Whenever I see that spot, I see the picture of my kids behind his head laughing. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. We're visiting with uh, with Trey with Trey Wingo, and um, you know I, I don't I don't know what your roots are, Trey, but I'll warn you going forward: never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. I'm just telling you. Exactly. If that's inconceivable to me that I would it's, do that, just so you're aware. Uh, you'll never survive. Nonsense. No one say never because no one ever has. Now I'm just alienating my audience. So let me get back to it. Um, Caesar Sportsbook, you know, online sports betting is, is live right now. Um, it started today. I know for some sports fans listening, they're like, "Come on, I've been doing it forever." I'm talking legal live sports betting from the comfort of your 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 lazy boy, your catch, wherever you are. It's NFL Championship weekend. You've always been a big guy when it comes to to the betting side of thing and the lines, Trey. You know yeah. uh, how. How surprised, maybe surprised is the wrong word, but like when you first started, you know, at ESPN way back when and in many of your years, it was almost like sports betting was like kind of this side thing. It was like you had sports and then you had this side entity. And now in 2022, it's like everyone's finally honest about it. And it's like, look, this has always been there. Let's just join them together. Like there's, there's a lot of money to be made, but there's a lot of fun to be had. Like what, I guess my question is what, what took so long? The Supreme Court. Quite frankly, I mean, once the Supreme Court said we can have sports betting everywhere, that opened the floodgates. But you're right about this dance we used to do. Like, when we did NFL Live, because it was an NFL-sanctioned show, we couldn't say over-under. We had to say more than or less than, you know, and all this kind of stuff. There were all these key words that we couldn't use. And when we talked about win projections, you know, for a team, we weren't allowed to say the Saints or the Falcons. We had to say New Orleans or Atlanta. And it just, it was a, it was this sort of awkward dance. And, you know, it's all, the relationship has always been there. I mean, my God, why do we have injury reports twice a week? So the betters can set the line accurately, which by the way, protects the integrity of the game because if somebody's withholding an injury and then it affects the outcome of the game massively, well, then there's a problem. But now that it's all out there and let's just be honest about, it. I mean, in 20, 14? No, 2012, I think it was. The NFL didn't allow Tony Romo to have a fantasy football convention because it was going to be held in a casino in Las Vegas. And now the Las Vegas Raiders exist. So we've, we've evolved, and we've all gotten better because of it. It's crazy when you think, I mean, it's not that long ago. I mean, you remember seasons no. well from 2012, and yet it's not so much the football that doesn't seem that long ago, but how much the things outside of the sport have evolved in the last 10 years 
Uh, and now you can actually say just the real names of everything, and that's so perky. I, yeah. I love that. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's, we're just, everything's out on the table now, which is great. That's the way it should be. Let's be open and honest about it. So what, what can folks do with the Caesar Sportsbook, Trey, while I got you? Well, you can – listen, the great thing about the Caesar Sportsbook app is that whether you win or lose, you get Caesar's rewards points. So you can gain access to special events. You can use those points for tickets to events. You can use it for dining. You can, you can use it for a million different things, you know, stays in the hotel, however you want to do it. So no matter whether you win or lose, you gain something when you bet through the Caesar Sportsbook app because we give you a little boost. A sportsbook? In my day, television was called a sportsbook. Okay, grandson? Yeah. <laughs> so you should have done this. Now I can't stop. Uh, let's talk championship <laughs> football. Trey Wingo, our guest. Um, I, I, like, I like the Niners plus three and a half, and it's, it's because of Kyle Shanahan. You know, I, I was joking this week. I think he might go on the Mari Povich show next week, and they'll do a paternity test where, you know, it's who, are the, who is the Rams' dad? Because this guy just yeah. game plans. He owns them. And I realize the Rams – you know, you are the brute squad. They got they got Donald, you know, they got Aaron Donald. He's the brute squad. But on yeah. the other side of it, you've got Vincini minus the death. You got that kind of a mind for running the football and game planning in Kyle Shanahan. That's where I'm leaning with it. But what do you make of the line, both the 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 Rams minus three and a half and, and the over under in this matchup? Well, listen, I think one of the problems that uh Sean McVay has with Kyle Shanahan is because he, you know, Kyle hasn't uh, just fought one person in such a long time. So it's completely different. Uh, again, we can do this the whole show if you want. But the, the, the dad thing is correct. Remember, uh, when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Washington, two of his offensive assistant position coaches were Sean McVay, the tight ends coach, and Matt LaFleur. And his record against Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay is remarkable. And it's like that big brother system, right? Like, if you're an assistant under your coordinator, he's the dad and you're the, you're the kids, or he's the big brother and you're the little brother. And that, that is a thing, okay? Like for, for many, many years, Bill Belichick and the Patriots lived in the heads of Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning. And they had to find a way to get past that mental edge. And absolutely, Kyle Shanahan has a mental edge over Sean McVay and a mental edge over Matt LaFleur. That is a very, very accurate way to look at it. Um, there's no reason that the Rams should have lost six straight games uh, to the 49ers. And here's the weird part about this, John. The karma remains undefeated, right? The Rams, in the final game of the regular season, were up 17 to nothing against San Francisco at SoFi. If they win that game, they're not playing the 49ers for the NFC Championship game because the 49ers don't make the postseason and the Saints do. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, they, they, because they couldn't finish the job, against the one team they can never beat, now that team stands in their way of getting back to being the second team ever to host and have a home game in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Saints were simultaneously watching that game very closely. Heck, maybe Sean Payton's still currently the coach, although ultimately he would have left at some point, but maybe the Saints are still right. playing. Doubtful as a seven seed, but but to your point. So you're, it sounds like you're kind of leaning more toward the Niners in that one for, for the, the reasons of Shanahan. Listen, I spent six years in St. Louis before I went to ESPN, and Missouri's called the show-me state. Show me you can beat them, and then I'll believe you. But until that time, I'm going to go with the thing I know, because this guy owns you. And it's the same way for the AFC championship game. Like, Joe Burrow's great, don't get me wrong. And 
they may have the youngest collection of skill skill set positions in the NFL. That's the best because Joe Burrow is 25, Joe Mixon is 25, and Jamar Chase is under 25. Like that's they're going to be around for a while. But in the playoffs, the only loss for Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead is the 2018 AFC Championship game where D Ford lined up offsides in the neutral zone, negating a game-clinching interception of Tom Brady with a minute and a half to play. That's his only loss at Arrowhead. He's 7-1 and one in that stadium, and his numbers are ridiculous. So until I see someone walk in there and walk out, that isn't Tom Brady getting a gift penalty, show me. Show me you can take those guys down. And until they can, I'm riding with that dude forever. Yeah, I think I think Chiefs minus seven's good as well. I, I'm sure Andy Reid's gonna, you know, if it's close, really late in the game, he might look at Patrick and just say, "Finish him, finish him your way." Patrick might say, "Which way is my way?" And you know, Andy just gives him the look. But it's hard to go well, against. I think the he Chiefs. might he might say, Patrick Holmes might say to Joe Burrow, "My name is Inigo Montoya. You <laughs> killed my father. Prepare to die." You know, I um, and then and then I don't know if he'll tell him to rest well and dream of large women. I don't know how I can tie that into it, but it uh, it, it there, there's probably a way there. Well, but I'm not going I have, there. I have a I have a feeling that the Chiefs will be getting the Lamar Hunt Trophy and say hello, pretty lady, one more time. <laughs> oh shoot! Um, well, have fun storming the castle. So Chiefs minus seven, Niners plus three and a half, championship weekend. Football, college hoops, NBA, there's plenty to bet on. Bet responsibly, guys. The sports books are open. Trey representing Caesar's Sportsbook. Speaking of the Saints, Trey, um, you know, I think other than the Chiefs, no team's won more games in the last five years than the Saints. And this year set the record for most starters in a season. They had four different starting quarterbacks. Which is, which is, by the way, which is not a record you want in any way. No, and they did it in 15 games. I, I know a lot of records have been broken this year because of the extra. They did that in 15 games. So um, that, you know, it was, it, was, it was anything but ideal, and yet they were still right there at the end of the season watching that Rams-Niners game you mentioned. So they've, I think there's, you know, there's people that keep saying cap hell, and yet, you know, the Saints are a team that loves to push it back. I don't, I don't know that with Lattimore and Ramchek and Kamara and, you know, guys that are 26 and under and are, and are great talents. I guess what I'm saying, Trey, is I don't think if Sean Payton left, they're, quote, going to rebuild or they're probably going to promote from within Dennis Allen. What, what is your take on the future of the Saints now that Sean Payton is no longer at the facility? Well, two, two things. The salary cap thing, let me explain. No, there's not enough time. Let me sum up. Uh, the, the salary cap is only a problem if you want it to be a problem. Correct. It's a malleable figure, right? Like, the Chiefs created salary cap space when they gave Patrick Mahomes a $500 million contract. It's just moving money around. You, so, I, I just I, quickly, you're, point, just, you're preaching to the choir. I just, I get in arguments with, with, yeah. with listeners often or, or, you know, people on social media. It just gets exhausting. But to your point, if you have an owner that's willing to write the checks, convert things into bone, like you can, you can operate regardless of where your cap number is. Now, I, I'll shut up and throw it back to you. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it, no, it's okay. It's, but you're right. It's manipulative. It's manipulative, manipulative a bowl, whatever that word. I, don't know. Um, I do not yeah, think it so, means what you think it means. You keep using that word. That word, yes. That's a very good call by you. Um, um, well, I'd surely rather never mind. Um, the, but the, the thing about the Saints is you're looking at the golden age of Saints football is over. Like, let's just be honest about it. In the first 39 years of their franchise's existence, they won one playoff game mm-hmm. with Peyton and Breeze together. 
They won nine. They had seven NFC South titles and, of course, won Super Bowl 44. So we are talking about the greatest 16-year period in the history of this franchise. And we got to start over. And we got to find a head coach. And we got to find a quarterback. And I know one thing for sure. To win in the NFL, you got to have a good head coach and you got to have a really good quarterback. And the Saints are in need of both right now. Well, that uh, that marriage between Breeze and Peyton, um, it's done. It's over. I know there's yeah. some Saints fans that are saying, maybe Peyton will come back one day. It's not happening. I do think he'll coach nope. again one day. It's not going to be yeah, with the he's Saints. he's not retiring. He's not retiring. Right. It, it, it's not going to be with the Saints. Where, where do you think? Are you with the masses? That the, my, my thing on the Cowboys deal, Trey, has always been this. In covering Peyton the way I have and, and being close friends with a lot of people, you know, in the New Orleans media, Saints beat writers, Peyton loves autonomy, right? He loves having control. And when I tell you, he had full control in New Orleans. Like, Mickey Loomis was the Correct. GM. Gail was the owner. They let him do what he wanted to do. Everything down to, I want, I want, I want to know who gets a key card into the, the media portion of this building. Every single detail. He, whoever works in Dallas, you're, you're, you're not, Jerry's always going to be the one, basically, with, he, he's the end boss that's not going anywhere, I guess is my point. Correct. And, that, that, and a lot of smoke says it'll end up in Dallas. And my thing is always this. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's probably going to need to look over his shoulder all of next season, which that would be the case no matter what because he's the coach of the Cowboys for Pete's sake. But, like, I think every coach that might be on the hot seat should be looking over the shoulder next year because Sean Payton's name right now has a lot of cachet. And, and I think he's coaching again, Trey, but I'm not, I wouldn't place all my eggs in the Cowboys basket. I think it could be a lot of different places. I agree, and your point about Jerry is 100% true because I'm sure Jerry will say to Sean, Sean, you know me, you've been here. Uh, whatever you need, I'll change, and Jerry's not changing. Like, I have a philosophy. When people show you who they are the first time, believe them, and we all know who Jerry is, and that's not changing. It's not changing in any way, shape, or form. So I agree with you. Like, Dallas is the interesting thing, but a lot of things would have to be really, really different for that to work out. And Sean's going to have his pick of the litter. I mean, he's good. You want a proven coach? You want an offensive genius? You want a guy with a Lombardi ring? Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, what what isn't he giving you if he's your head coach? He can go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Trey Wingo, our guest. Um, Trey, who was your your team growing up? And please don't give me the, well, I was a a journalist. I didn't have a team. I know you had a team growing up. No, that's a bunch of crap. Yeah, everybody had. Nobody grows up a fan of all 32 teams in one sport or 28 teams in another sport. I grew up a Cowboys fan. Uh, My mom and dad are both from Texas. We lived overseas for a while when I was a kid. When we moved back to the States, Cowboys were on Monday Night Football. And mom and dad were like, oh, Cowboys from Texas. I'm like, okay, cool. And that was my team. Um, now I will say your fandom sort of wanes over the years because you realize there are good guys and bad guys in every game. You just want to see good people succeed. So, uh, I was a Cowboy fan growing up. And now it's just kind of more of a fan of the people you've gotten to know in your line of work. Well, and also I just appreciate excellence. Like, uh, I, 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 and I, listen, I, I'm on this, I'm in the, I always try to play the long game. Like when people were trying to tell me the chiefs were broken at three and four, and, yeah, you know, yeah. Patrick Mahomes was a fraud and the league is caught up to him. I'm like, guys, what are we doing? Like, at that time when all this hot take BS was going on, the Chiefs were scoring more points per game, had more yards per game, had a better first, a third down conversion rate and a better red zone uh, touchdown conversion rate than either of the previous two seasons when they went to one Super Bowl and went to back-to-back Super Bowls. The only thing that was a problem 
was they were turning the ball over, and their defense wasn't great. Their defense became average. With Patrick Mahomes, all you need is an average defense, and they stopped turning the ball over. And to listen to people, like, twist themselves into human pretzels trying to figure out why Mahomes – it was just so obvious. Like, he had eight interceptions over three games. And it's funny because we choose to do this with certain people. Um, And I I bring this up all the time. There was a stretch. Can I take a guess over a three-game stretch in Peyton Manning's final season with the Colts, how many interceptions he threw over a three-game stretch? Had to be up there. Eleven. Four, four, and three. In, in a three-game losing streak in 2010. Four, four, and three. And I don't remember anyone saying at that point, what's wrong with Peyton Manning? Like, sometimes the bleep goes sideways, the other team gets paid too, and the ball is a funny shape, and it bounces weird. So it, it just cracked me up to hear all these people who I really respected, quite frankly, saying this is broken and they're, they don't know when to run. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Andy Reid is the closest thing to a quarterback guru that we have in the NFL. Name a quarterback that Andy Reid has had, and his best – Michael Vick, his best season's under Andy Reid. Alex Smith, his best season's under Andy Reid. Donovan McNabb, his best season's under Andy Reid. Freaking Kevin Cobb yeah. had good seasons yeah. under Andy Reid. So you're really telling me that you think the guy who's been on fire for three and a half seasons suddenly stinks and Andy Reid doesn't know what he's doing? What are you doing? Like, how dumb are you people? And play the long game and go with talent. And guess what? They're one win away from uh, their third straight Super Bowl, which only three other teams have done in NFL history. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I think in regards to the long game, like we're talking about betting. I love a futures bet. Like I, I, I personally am not someone that bets every day, but I think future bets are fun, right? Future MVP, future yeah. this. The thing is, a lot of people don't think big picture, right? It, I think, and I just think it's where we're at, right? Social media, the, the, the you, you know, where you used to work in, in, in just any sports. I mean, we're, we're, we're affiliate of a radio, you know, ESPN radio. It's not just ESPN, all of them, right? It's hot take right now, get people talking, talk about the now, overreact. That's what sticks. It's you know, so, it's, it's so stupid. It is stupid. So I, I, it is stupid, but it's just, um, I, I don't, it's, if you think it's bad now, Trey, I mean, we were talking about how time flies, man. I think 10 years from now, it's just going to be that much worse. I don't, not enough people think long-term. Now, if you're in the NFL, I think the best owners do, right? I think management does the best, yeah. but yeah. it's just where we're at. You gotta, like, Trey Wingo has been our at, guest. You got to look at the Chiefs like they're the Dread Pirate Roberts. There will be no survivors. <laughs> there will be no survivors, man. Well, it, it, I, I know you've always had a, a true love for football, and death cannot stop true love. So uh, my last thing for you. <laughs> Uh, I, actually, I'm my bad. I, I got two more for you. Talking about bets, what's the worst bad beat of your life? Because everybody's got one that bets. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I'm gonna have to think about that one. Uh, we'll circle back. Like the worst one. I mean, I've had some. I've had some ones. Of like, what was I doing? Right. I, right, I right. think. I think a couple years ago, I might have bet on uh, the Cavs post LeBron. Ooh. He returned Ooh. to make the playoff, and that was just <laughs> <laughs> You remember the dumb ones more than the, the, the ones that were just rough, huh? Well, it's like, right. It's like, it's like any, any football player or any athlete. They don't remember the wins. They remember the ones that got away. 
they remember the losses. Oh yeah. I mean, no, don't don't ask remember, Saints fans about Bill Vinovich and a, a non-call from a few years ago, just because it will. I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you're talking thank about. You. What do you mean? Um, uh, a, a, a non-PI call against the Rams? That never happens. We, uh, that's like a that's like a close of invisibility. Oh jeez, man. Oh, well done. You know we. This great comedy classic, The Prince's Bride, those who know it have enjoyed it. Those who don't have maybe not enjoyed or understood all of our conversation this morning, Trey. Don't care. I, I don't either. You're big on movies, though. I, I remember you and Golik, you know, you talk about Wedding Crashers, Step Brothers, you're a feral guy. What's your, yeah. what's your favorite comedy of all time? See, that's almost impossible. Like, uh, generationally, like, uh, in the 80s, you had Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, Stripes. Uh, you know, those were all just freaking legends. Um, forgetting Sarah Marshall's obviously great. Uh, Anchorman, for a variety of reasons, I find hilarious. Um, I, I can't pick one. Like that's like asking to pick your best child. You know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many movies when they come on. Oh, Euro Trip, like the stupidest teenage movie. Scotty of all doesn't time. know, man. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> Scotty, it's hilarious. Scotty doesn't. Scotty know. doesn't know. Let's go. <laughs> you know. I uh, oh, yeah yeah. The castle, if there's time. I got you. Uh, all right. Well, I'll give it to you. Um, I'll, I'll give you the last word there with, with Storm of the Castle. It's been fun, Trey. Um, how can folks follow you on social? And, um, and one more time, uh, Caesar Sportsbook. I know with uh, sports online betting going live today in Louisiana, you guys are uh, certainly in the mix. So two plugs for you, and then we'll tell you bye. Sure, absolutely. Listen, uh, all our stuff is on the Caesar Sportsbook uh, social feeds. Twitter, Instagram, and the Caesar Sportsbook YouTube channel. We do a weekly show called Trippy, getting people set for the NFL. We'll do the same stuff uh, going through up to the draft. It's going to be a blast. And, of course, Half Forgotten History is a podcast. You can get it wherever you uh, get your podcasts or on my YouTube page, Trey Wingo Presents. And it's just been really fun to be a part of the Caesars thing because a lot of the people that I worked with at ESPN are now working for Caesars. So it's me doing the same stuff with people that I know and respect and trust just in a different place, and it's been an absolute blast. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Trey, and it was fun. You know, you mentioned you guys do a thing on NFL Live that day, and then I started doing it. I kept waiting for you to be like, Scott, you're trying to kidnap what I've rightfully stolen. But on that note, we'll let you go, man. Hey, uh, continued success, Trey. You're welcome on the show anytime. This was fun, man. All the best. You got it. Take care, man. That was fun. He didn't – He didn't. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know that when he was about to drop a – uh, uh, a Princess Bride reference about how many times you could drop Princess Bride quotes and we were going to start doing it. But I know that movie well. See, now I'm going to have to watch it with my kids tonight. They haven't seen it yet. Guys, thank you. Uh, what, man, we're short on time here. Final segment coming up next. We'll uh, take a look at what's coming your way tomorrow at the Cajun Dome. Red Panda twice. Cajun women's hoops, Cajun men's hoops, a little bit on last night's game against Georgia State. It's all coming your way. This is the great Scott show right here. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're right back right after this. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. My apologies for not being able to get to the phone lines this morning, guys. We were, look, it was a loaded show this morning. 
between uh, Eric Mutsong, Gus Kattengill, and, of course, Trey Wingo, who I apologize for anyone that doesn't like the movie The Princess Bride that had to maybe sit through some parts of that Wingo. Actually, I don't apologize for any of it. That was a fun interview. I'm glad we did it. And uh, The Princess Bride's a classic, and, of course, we mainly talk ball. But we did slip in a lot of references. And for those that know the movie well, you probably caught them all. You probably caught them all. Or maybe you didn't catch them all. There are a few in there that you might not even realize were tied in. Raging Cajuns, we talked quite a bit about the um, the disappointing loss last night at the Cajun Dome, Georgia State, top in Louisiana, 68-64. to If you missed any of the uh, today's show, opened up talking to Eric Mouton this morning. Uh, talked to him last night after the loss courtside. We kind of broke it down, chatted about the team, where they were at. You can hear the whole show. Uh, over the Great Scott Show podcast, whether you listen to it on the app, online at ESPNLafayette.com, or just subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Download and subscribe to the Great Scott Show, Google Play, iTunes, um, Spotify. Give me a good rec- uh, recommendation. Maybe a five-star review would be greatly appreciated either way. I love how I said that. Those of you that don't like me, you're just going to go intentionally give it a really bad review, which is fine. Whatever. Commenting, it helps, right? It all helps. Um according to the algorithm anyway. Louisiana uh, women's hoops tomorrow at the Cajun Dome, 2 o'clock, 145 pregame against ULM. Men at 7 o'clock, 630 pregame against Georgia Southern. Red Panda will be um, performing at halftime of both of them. She's performed at a lot of NBA games, but never an NBA All-Star game. But if she did, if she was just part of a lot of festivities, she might not look out of place the way Andrew Wiggins is going to look as an All-Star starter. Well, we got to put a forward in there. Really? You're going to put a forward in there? And it's Andrew Wiggins, who's good. He's good. All-star starter. Um, negative. When you got guys, you know, like Luca and Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Donovan Mitchell and others not starting and Andrew Wiggins is, yeah. Oh, well, the fans vote. Well, they only account for 50% of the voting. I was, I was shocked last night. But Shout out Wiggins. I guess he's the winner of the week, right? Hey, if you're going to bet this weekend, bet responsibly. Download that DraftKings Sports app wherever you're going to do it. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Enjoy the hoops this weekend. I will talk to you guys Monday morning, bright and early. Be safe. Coming up next, the Dan Patrick Show. Big thank you to Eric Mouton. Big thank you to Gus Cattengale. Big thank you to Trey Wingo. And big thank you to all of you guys. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the weekend. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't stop. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't.